to Psalms 87. We'll go 87 and 88 tonight. We've got a double header. Manny had uh, taken over the last few uh, Sunday nights, and uh, some of you guys got fooled. Uh, I thought he was going to be speaking, but we, we did a quick one on you guys. A little switcheroo. We're going to go ahead and read, uh, like I said, 87 and, and 88. Uh, 87 is kind of short, but uh, but there's a, a lot in there, and, and 88 is, uh, yeah, is interesting. You'll see when we get to there. Um, we all opened up uh, Psalms 87. It says, A Psalm of the Sons of Korah, a song. His foundation is in the holy mountain. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. More than all the dwellings of Jacob, glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to those who know me. Behold, O Felicia and Tyre, with Ethiopia, this one was born there. And of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself shall establish her. The Lord will record when he registers the people, this one was born there. Both the singers and the players on instruments say, all my springs are in you. This, this uh, proverb basically is just praising Jerusalem. You know, it's... Uh, it's uh, just singing its praises. Um, it calls it the holy mountain. It calls it the gates of Zion. It calls it the city of God. And uh, and each one of those um, is just you know it's just giving the example of of how uh, how great it is in the in the sight of God. You know, it was a, a city that was established by God, and um, and so like I said, it it's just all about the uh the praising of jerusalem if you want to look turn to uh, psalms 50 um verse 2 a couple cross references psalms 50 verse 2 says out of zion the perfection of beauty god will shine forth you know he calls it the the perfection of beauty so you know whether it was David who wrote the psalm or it was another author, um, the city of Jerusalem was just thought as thought of as perfection because it was the city of God. Um, if you want to look back at uh, turn to Psalms forty-eight, it's just more of the same. Verses one through three it says, "Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God." in his holy mountain beautiful in elevation the joy of the whole earth is mount zion on the sides of the north the side the city of the great king god is in her palaces he is known as her refuge i mean it was just they would go on and on about the beauty of of jerusalem about how it was the city of god god actually resided there you know so it was just uh this psalm here in psalms 87 um it's just recognizing that, and um, you know, when you think about the city of of Jerusalem, um, you know, we we have to. I think even non-believers they got to sit back and they got to recognize that that there there is something special about it. You know, here we are. It's a it's a city about the same square mileage 
as Orange County. You know, it's not it's not a big country. It's a small country. And and yet the world revolves around it. You know, in the newspapers, on the you know, on TV, um, in uh, you know, on the radio, they're just they're always talking about it. They're always talking about Israel. What makes it so special? Like I said, God established it. You know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, it just goes back to the beginning. God established the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Uh, Manny kind of touched on something today that uh, that. Uh, jumped out at me this past week and that was the fact that you know there's been some news articles about the the whole deal with uh iran and russia and uh you know he printed up some articles i don't know if there's any more in the back but they're really interesting because um i guess a while back um russia had funded a reactor and uh in in iran but it had been shelved and and not used while iran you know with with them being in the news and what they're um, you know, getting their feathers all ruffled up and, and uh, you know, has, has basically, you know, allowed Russia to go back in there and, and fire that thing up, go back in there and, and uh, get it going. And I guess this past Saturday was the day that they were supposed to fire it up, and I, I'm assuming it has. And uh, earlier in the week, I had been listening to uh, the pastor's, pastor's perspective, and this caller called in, and, and he was uh, inquiring about it, and he said, you know, Iran has said that they wanted to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, you know, and now they're coming into, you know, the uh, being able to actually have that opportunity now to literally wipe them off the face of the earth in their minds. You know, um, they're going to have that kind of technology. And what this uh, person was was saying to the caller, you know, and he was talking to Chuck Smith and Don Stewart on the radio and and uh, they seemed to all be convinced, you know, that Israel was going to have to react. They were going to have to go in there and they were going to have to destroy, you know, that reactor. And they only had a certain number of days to do it because um, because if they were wait too long, uh, there could be some some radiation fallout and and that would affect, uh, you know, civilians and the innocent. And and so, you know, the time, you know, the clock was ticking. They were going to have to go in there if they were going to do something, do it quickly, you know. And uh, I mean, that's mind blowing, man, because, you know, that all falls in to Ezekiel 38 and 39. I mean, it's just, it just lays it out there, man. And, um, you know, I thought of that, and I said, you know what? You know, could this be Ezekiel 38 and 39? You know, it very well may be. You know, and the fact that it's all happening right now is mind-blowing, you know? I went back and I read uh, 38 and 39, and, and I tell you what, you know, it, it's deep. There's a lot in there, and, and I encourage you, man, if you're interested, read it. Uh, read it with a good commentary because... You know, I, I read it through the first time, and you get the sense of something scary happening, but you're not quite sure. But you, you get a commentary, and it starts naming names and giving what they think, you know, are certain nations and this and that. And um, and I tell you what, man, it, 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 things start to look like they're falling into place, you know. So, you know, like Manny said, I'm not a, uh, you know, he said that he wasn't a, a uh, you know, speculating on anything or, or anything like that, and neither am I. But it's just interesting. It's interesting how... Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, this was written. You know, it's the word of God, man. It stands true, and things are falling into place. And only now, a lot of those things are even possible. And if you read 38 and 39, you'll get a uh, um, just a, a little taste of that. Um, 
like I said, in 38 and 39, one of the things that is that the fact that as they're being attacked, um, Israel by Gog, which they uh, the scholars are saying are, are, is Russia and its allies, which could be Iran and Turkey and some of the other Middle Eastern countries, um, you know, as they're attacking at the very last second, God comes and intervenes and rescues them at the last minute. Um, you know, let's turn there. Ezekiel, uh, turn to Ezekiel 38. I'm going to read you a few verses. In uh, verses uh, 18, and we're going to read down there to the end of that chapter. It says, And it will come to pass at the, at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show on my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that, the, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountain shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog, throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will, I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. I mean, that's that's incredible stuff, man, going down right there. You know, like Manny had mentioned it today. He says, you know, if you want to know what time it is on that prophetic clock, look to Israel, right? And when you read, when you read this, it's talking about the end times. It's talking about how this all finishes up, you know, What's amazing is that we're at the bottom end of that. You know, we, we are on that last few sentences of these chapters. You know, man's uh, history has, has, has gone through, you know, and, and we're, we're getting to that point. And, uh, you know, we should live every day, you know, like God is coming back today. But, uh, you know, that's a, you know, kind of a, a thought that can be kind of far off. But when you start reading things like this, you know what? It's not so far off, man. I mean, some of these things are, are going down, and uh, it, it's it's really interesting. You know, so Israel, it is special to God, you know, and in particular, Jerusalem. Going back to uh, Psalms 87, verse 3, kind of puts it all together. It says, Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. You know, that is just so cool. You know, they recognized it. You know, we we can recognize it. So the psalm is just singing the praises of Jerusalem. Let's jump over to Psalms 88. It says, O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayers come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength. 
adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves, Selah. You have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. And I am shut up, and I cannot get out. My eyes wasted away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hand to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Selah. Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark? And your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord. And in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, you do, Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. Kind of a bummer chapter, man. I mean, you know, uh, when I read that, I kept waiting, you know, I kept waiting for it to, uh, to turn around. You know, David was notorious for starting off kind of in that same, in that same groove, you know, where, you know, he, things just were, were bad news and, and his bones ached and, you know, he would go on and on about how he was suffering. But then somewhere in there, he would turn, you know, he would turn that corner and he would say, you know, but God, you're, you are my rock. You are my shield. You know, you know, you are my fortress. Um, but this chapter doesn't do that. And it makes it kind of unique. Um, I mentioned it to Manny and he says, yeah, that he thought that uh, there were only two Psalms that kind of, that do that, that, that don't take a turn. Um, and this being one of them. But you know what, as I read it, and I would read it over and over again, um, you know what, I liked it. You know, I liked it because, mainly because I can identify with it. You know, I mean, I've, I've been here, I've been there, where, you know what, there is no turn. I wish I was, I wish I was good enough to say, man, I, I was able to snap out of it when I was feeling that way. But there were, there, there are times in, in my life, you know, where it's the season, you know, and you know what? I can't even talk my way out of it, you know. And 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 I know that God has been good in in some of those times by bringing a friend or or a phone call or or a sermon on the radio or a song. Something will finally get kind of snap you out of it. But it'll be a period of time, you know, where you're you don't you don't see that light, you know. And and man, I I can identify with the author here. Verse one of eighty eight. He says, for my soul, I'm sorry, it says, O Lord, God of my salvation. And Manny kind of touched on this today too. That Lord there in, uh, in my Bible is capitalized. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And what makes that unique is what Manny was talking about today. And that is that that's the proper name 
for for God. You know, Yahweh, you know, we can call him or Jehovah. You know, he went into the whole explanation a lot better than I can about about how, you know, they didn't use the vowels. They used, you know, only the consonants because it was so holy. They didn't want to uh, use it in vain. So they, you know, over time, it's been forgotten exactly how to pronunciate the name. But that that was, in fact, when they translate this over, that capital L-O-R-D. That means that it was personal. And so this author who's writing it, he's saying, he's not saying generically, oh, God, where are you? He's calling God out by name. And he's saying, where are you? It's personal. It's very serious. And I think it's good to see it in that light. You know, we serve a personal God. You know, we serve a God who he knows us and he knows our troubles. And we can call on him by name. You know, and we need to know that. He's a big enough God to be able to take some of these hard questions. He can take it, you know. He's, uh, uh, you know, he's not going to shrink back from any of our questions and be backstepping. I, you know, I, I didn't realize it would hurt you so bad, you know. You know, he knows what he's doing. He, and he's our God. He knows our circumstances. And he can handle our questions. Verses 1 and 2, or uh, the last part of 1 and, and 2, he says, I have cried out all day and night before you. Let my prayers come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. And all he's saying there, you know, is, God, listen to me. You know, can you hear me? Please listen to what I'm about to say. You know, I've said prayers like that where you're desperate for God to hear your plea. You know, and it's coming from just the, the depths of your heart. Lord, Please hear me. Please hear what I'm about to say. You know. Verses 3, 4, and 5. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a, I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. And who are cut off from your hand. Here we kind of get an idea of maybe kind of what this guy's problem is. Because where is his focus when you read these things? I underlined them in my Bible. He says, my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength. Where's his focus? It's on himself. You know, we're all guilty of that. You know, I'm not coming down on the guy. I've been there, you know, but that's, that's where usually where we start to go wrong is when our focus is on ourselves. There's a couple of good, uh, cliches that, that I've heard. Uh, actually, I didn't hear. Actually, I think I read them. There's a, there's a church over by where I work. And, uh, there's this guy, whoever the pastor is or whoever does this, they put up a, like a little marquee and uh, they put little, uh, uh, you know, cliches or sayings or just sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're, you know, it's just, you know, different. Things. I love driving by there because they're always changing it. You know, this guy has an endless supply of, of cliches. But one of them that I had read a while back, it says the bigger our problem, the smaller our God, the bigger our God, the smaller our problem, you know. 
That, that's awesome. You know, because when we compare our God to our problems, God should win. You know, God is bigger than any problem I have. But when our focus is on our problem, and I don't know about, about you, but I have a tendency of starting to blow things out of proportion, man, where I start, you know, oh, my God, and it just starts to snowball. And, and, uh, and you know, you get this this uh, uh, this fear that may come upon you, you know, or I do on myself. And it's I'm actually making it bigger than it actually is, you know. But, uh, but when you put it in perspective, compared to the God that we serve, no problem is that big. Another cliche that, that uh, or saying or whatever you want to call it that uh, I read is says, my trouble ends where my faith begins. You know, easier said than done, but it's true. You know, that whenever we're coming across something, you know, that is worrisome, that we're fearful of, that is, that is uh, uh, troubling us. You know what? Our faith has to step in. And our faith has to say, you know what? We serve a God. That is mightier than anything that we're coming across. Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, that's the perspective we have to have. If God is for us, what can be against us? Who can be against us? Nothing. Nothing at all. You know, the the word says that, that uh, all things together work for good for those that are called according to his purpose. Right? And you know what? And in this case, and in the cases of our lives, sometimes it's even those bad things. Sometimes it's even those trials, those tribulations. They can work. They can work and serve a purpose. You know, help us grow, refine us. Something somehow, they're going to be good for. God will use it. God will use the circumstance somehow, some way in our lives for good. You know, but it's easy to forget that when you're. In this guy's shoes, right? It's easy to forget that when you can't see the light at the end of that tunnel. Or you do and it's a train, like they say. You know? And uh, so, uh, verses 6 through 9. It says, You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. You have You have put me... Away, I'm sorry, you have put away my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up, and I cannot get out. My eyes waste away because of affliction. So here is, focus is changing from me, 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 and he's he's now focusing on his circumstances, you know. And not only is he is he focusing on the circumstances, but he's blaming God for it. You know, if you go back and you and you look, he says, "You have laid me in the lowest pit. It's your wrath that is heavy upon me. You have afflicted me with your waves. You have put away my acquaintances. You have made me an abomination to them." See, he, he's blaming God for all of this. You know, and sometimes God does discipline us. You know, that's true. Sometimes he does. But more often than not, you know what? We have ourselves to blame for the circumstances that we find ourselves. I know I have. You know, I'm, you know, and, uh, you know, I get there by a lot of bad decisions. And then I'm crying out to God and saying, well, you know, look what you allowed. You know, (laughs) you know, this has to be your fault, you know, 
And and you know what? It really isn't. You know, it's my own fault. It's a lot of bad decisions that I made that maybe I didn't seek God when I started making some of these decisions. And, you know, through the course of time, you know, I find myself in a spot where I'm on my back. And now I'm crying out to God, you know. And, you know, sometimes, like I said, God will allow those things um, in order, like I said, to serve that purpose, you know, in our lives. And he will use he will use those times. But you know what? I'm convinced that he he doesn't use them or doesn't take pleasure. He doesn't take pleasure in seeing us, you know, suffer, um, you know, under the weight of bad decisions. Right. I don't think he, I don't think that's not the God we serve. He doesn't. He's not a mass. What do they call that? Mass artistic. Uh, <laughs> Help me. Um, you know, there you go. Something like that. He, you know, he doesn't take pleasure in seeing us in pain, right? He, he's, I think he's right there and he's cheering us on. You know, he's rooting for us. Remember what, what, you know, Jesus said to Peter when, when Peter, when Jesus tells him, he says, man, the, the devil has asked for you by name. He says, but I'm praying for you. You know, God is, Jesus is praying for us. He's our advocate before the Father. And so, you know, that's that's the picture of, of of God, right? He's in our corner. But what we need to do is we need to be real with ourselves and and we need to say, okay, if I'm in this situation, what caused it? You know? You know, I, I know sometimes I've come home from work and my, my kids, you know, especially Isaiah, my son, um, you know, because I maybe, I don't know, maybe because we're, more similar or what have you, but you know, he'll get in trouble with his mom, you know, and, and he'll be, you know, when I get home, he'll want to plead his case before, before I talk to my wife. Right. And, and, uh, and, you know, and, and usually it, it works, you know, <laughs> so and then I'll, I'll go to my wife and say, man, what, what did you do that to my boy for? You know? And, and, um, but you know, I mean, it, sometimes, you know, we have to suffer, you know, through something, um, in order for us to be, not to make that mistake again, you know. And I think that's that's the key, you know, is that what is the lesson to be learned? You know, through any trial, especially one that, that you know, one that we have brought on ourselves, you know, let's walk away from those things saying, all right, what can I do different next time? Because I think God allows it because he has bigger plans for us, right? As individuals, as a body, as a church, he's saying, all right, I want to take you to the next level, but first, you got to get past this level, right? And so he's allowing it. He's cheering us on. But we have to get past that mentality of saying, you know what, Lord, it's all your fault. No, no, it's not. You know, it's our fault. You know, we, we did some of these dumb things. We brought on this pain. And, um, and we, you know, we don't want to, we want to learn by our mistakes. Um, my dad used to always say, well, my mom, you know, if we were, Playing with fire, we like to play with fire as kids. You know, I don't know how many other people like to do that, but you know, <laughs> with a stove or you know, we would. Uh, one time, I almost caught my house on fire with a uh, uh, aquanet and a lighter. You know? <laughs> you know, but you know, my mom, my mom would always, you know, she saw us messing with it. She would always say, you know, you know, get away from that. You know, get you, you know, you're gonna burn yourself trying to prevent an accident. And my dad, on the other hand, he would always say, let him. You know, he would say, let him. He says because if he gets burnt. He's only going to do it once, you know, and that's the thing, man. We get, we need to learn. We need to learn, you know, and sometimes 
We need to get burned in order to learn a lesson. Uh, latter part of verse 9. says, Lord, I have called daily upon you. I have stretched out my hands to you. Will you work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise you? Shall your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or your salvation in the place of destruction? Shall your wonders be known in the dark? And your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? You know, he's saying, Lord, rescue me. But he's saying, do it for your sake. He's calling out to God. He says, you know, he's saying, if you let me die, you know, if you let this go south, you know, he starts to say, you know, uh, what good can come out of it? You know, how can a dead man praise you? Right. He starts, you know, he pulls that logic on, on God, you know, sounds logical to me, you know. And, uh, you know, if you allow this to, to go bad, you know, how are you going to get any glory out of it is basically what he's saying, you know. And uh, I don't know if that works, but I've done it. You know, I've cried out to God with those trying to make those kind of deals. You know, where you say, Lord, if you get me out of this, you know, I'm going to tell so many people, man, about how good you are, man. You know, I'm going to go Wednesday night to the men. I'm going to tell them all, man, you know, just how you came through, you know. And, you know, and we as though, you know, God's going to say, oh, I didn't know you were going to do that. You know, uh, you know, well, then fine. You know, I'll get you out of this, you know, you know, but in our minds, it makes sense. You know, that if, you know, Lord, you get us out of this, you know, you get me out of this, this problem that I'm, that I'm in, you know, you're going to receive all of the glory, you know, and that's, that actually is the right attitude to have, you know, that God does receive the glory, you know, that uh, if we find ourselves in a circumstance, whatever it may be, whether it's financial, whether it's, it's emotional, whether it's with family, with friends, with children, uh, whatever it is that, that we, that is just overwhelming us. That's, you know, that, that weight that's on us. Um, you know, I think God wants to know that he is going to receive that glory, you know, and I think it needs to be in our hearts that he would, you know, I'm going to declare, I'm going to shout this from the mountaintops, Lord, that you came through for me again, you know, and, uh, you know, and I think God does, um, does, does, uh, like that. I think he does, uh, love to hear that his children, um, you know, are desperate for him to act, you know? And, uh, and so I, I love that part there, you know, just trying to make that, make those deals with God. And, uh, like I said, I am so guilty of that. Verses 13 through the end of the chapter, he says, shall your wonders be known in the dark? I'm sorry, <laughs> but to you, I have cried out, O Lord. And in the morning, my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors. I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulfed me altogether. Loved one and friend, you have put far from me and my acquaintances into darkness. 
like I said, this chapter never takes a turn, you know. Um, it ends as sad as it started. Um, but like I said, we can identify with it. Uh, we've all been there. You know, and one of the lessons that we can take from going through an experience like that or many experiences or maybe with children or, or finances or whatever it is, you know, that, that has taken us to this place where we're in just utter um, distress is that, you know what, if nothing else, it gives us a deep compassion for others that are going through something similar. You know, if we just skated through life, man, and just had no no worries and everything just, you know, was, you know, cool, you know, how much compassion would we have for a brother who may be struggling? You know, for a sister who may have, you know, find herself in a situation that, uh, you know, is out of her control and, and is suffering for it. And, you know, really, I know in my life, um, when I was a young father, you know, I was uh, I was guilty of being very, very judgmental with seeing other a lot of family members. I had a lot of family members that that struggled with their children, you know, and uh, um, and I remember as a as a young dad thinking that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm man, they, they coddle their kids, you know, they got to make them tough. You know, they got to, you know. got to rule with that iron, you know, the iron fist, man. And, and you know what, you have to have high expectations for them because otherwise, you know, they're never, they're not going to amount to anything. And, and I would see a cousin or an aunt or somebody who, who I felt wasn't just that good parent. And, and when that kid went South, I'd be like, Oh, well, because they were bad parents, you know, you know, easy to explain, you know, and I was very judgmental that way. You know, I know that in my life, in the struggles that I've had with my children, um, and I'm, I'm, I made a lot of mistakes. But I know, I know this though, that it has given me a compassion for anybody struggling with their kids. Um, where I pray harder for them, you know, I, I cry harder for them when I see a, a brother or a sister who's who's going through something with their children um, because of my experience. And so these things are not in vain. Going through these times, they're not in vain. There's lessons to be learned personally, but also, you know, in how God uses us as a body, right? You know, how are we going to minister to each other? You know, it's by knowing that, you know, we've gone through some of these things and let's have some empathy for each other as as we see others go through them. But I, you know, I didn't want to end this, uh, uh, this chapter, uh, on a, on a down note, um, in reading it over and over again. Uh, one of the things that they, I guess you could say is a silver lining out of the whole thing is, is this author, whoever it is, uh, as he wrote to, uh, th- this down and, and even though it never does take a turn, you know, where he declares the, the mightiness of God or the fact that God is, is his rock or salvation or, or, uh, or you know, his circumstances change um, or his emotions. The silver lining is that he continually calls him Lord. And like I said earlier, it wasn't a generic Lord. He continues to call him Yahweh, you know. 
you know, he continues to call him, um, you know, just Jehovah, that, that personal God, over and over again. So even though he's crying out to God and even blaming God in a lot of these instances, he still has the right perspective. And, uh, you know, we need to keep him the Lord of our lives. Uh, just like this chapter began, it says, O Lord, God of my salvation. You know, right there, he starts off with the biggest miracle of all. He's saying, God, the Lord of my salvation. You know, man, the biggest miracle that God can ever, ever, ever do is that he can save someone, that he saves us, you know, that we we were dying, man. We were we were destined for hell. And we we're going 100 miles an hour, man, at a brick wall. But yeah, God comes in, man, and he grabs us. He rescues us. You know, he's the God of our salvation. That is the, the biggest miracle that can ever, ever be done on your behalf. Man, and we need to recognize that, that God saves us. He loves us. And you know what? That's going to put into perspective, you know, that if he's the God that's big enough and loves us enough to save us, well, then isn't he big enough for some of our problems that, that seem overwhelming to us now? And we all have them. You know, we have, we have them now. Whether it is finances, it's job-related, it's our children, housing, whatever it may be, whatever it is that right now it seems so huge, God saved you. And he didn't save you to let you down. He didn't save you to now leave you as orphans. He says, I don't do that. He says, man, I'm there for you. I'm cheering for you. I'm in your corner. And you know what? What we need to do is we need to step back. Like I said, that, that, that saying that my troubles end where my faith begins. You know, that's the encouragement that I want, you know, to leave you guys with today. Because troubles are going to come. You know, God never promised us, you know, just an easy, an easy road, right? He says, man, he says, you will have trials and tribulations, man. I mean, they're going to come. They're going to come. And when one gets finished, get ready for the next one. You know, if you're walking right now, you're saying, you know what? I, don't, I have no problems. Get ready, man, because it's probably waiting for you in the parking lot, you know? So, you know, you know I mean, they, they're going to come, you know, being a Christian, one time I, I was, I, I forgot where I was. I, I was sitting in on a service somewhere. I don't think it was here. Um, and the pastor said, is being a Christian easy? I thought it was a trick question. I didn't know how to answer it, you know. And he said, no, it's not. It's not easy, you know. Because you know what? We're going against the tide, right? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, you know. It's not easy. But. You know, we have a secret weapon, man. We have the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And we need to tap into that. You know, I know that when I struggle, it's because, like this guy, my focus is taken off of God and it's on myself. Or it's on my problem. It's on my circumstances. My focus isn't on God. 
But when I readjust, man, and like I said, it may be triggered by a phone call, by a prayer, by a, a friend, um, a song, whatever it is that finally kind of snaps me too. And I'm able to refocus. And I put God in his proper place, man. And I in, in right, dead center in my life. Then you know what? All of those problems, man, they do not go away. But they're in their proper place. And you know what? I know God is going to come through. You know, he has promised that. He is, He is. He has promised to never leave us, nor forsake us, never to leave us as orphans. We have an Abba Father that we can cry out to. And just like this this, this uh, chapter he said in, in the beginning there, you know, hear my cry. He hears us. He hears us. Whoever's, whoever's crying in there right now, whoever the mom is, she knows that's her baby. You know, <laughs> she knows that's her baby because she knows the cry of her child. Moms, moms are, they're miraculous like that, man. They're miraculous like that. You know, there could be 10 kids crying. Each mom will know which their, their own, their own kids cry. You know, I, you know what? I got to give the, I got to give the kid five bucks, right? This is like, you know, and, and you know what, man, that is, is just so cool because God knows our cry. When we cry out to him, when we cry out to God, he hears us, you know, let's have faith, man. Let's have faith that he's not only going to get us through whatever trial we're going through now, but that he's doing it with a purpose and that's to prepare us for something bigger and better down the road. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for, uh, for your word, Lord, and, and uh, Lord, I just pray that uh, whatever um, trials or tribulations or or circumstances that we may be going through that um, that just seem so overwhelming to us, generally, Father, Lord, we give them to you, Lord. We we set them at your feet, Lord. You say that your burden is light, and so, Lord, we just we just pray that, uh, Lord, as we give them to you, Lord, that we take on yours and. And Lord, that you would lead us, Lord, into just that uh, that peace, dear Heavenly Father, that uh, that only you can give us. Lord, that those anxieties, Lord, that that as we lay down in our in our beds, Lord, and we're about to close our eyes, those things that just roll over in our minds, the uh, the different uh, uh, circumstances and and uh, and things that just seem to just cloud us and overtake us, dear Heavenly Father. Um, Lord, just just take them away, Lord. Give us thoughts of you, dear Holy Father. Give us thoughts of your beauty, Lord, of your goodness, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just we thank you, even in in anticipation, Lord, of of you giving us those good nights sleep, Lord, a, a rest like maybe we haven't experienced in a long time, knowing that you're on the throne, dear Holy Father. You've already done the greatest miracle of all, Lord. You've saved us from the pits of hell. And you've put our feet on the rock. And Lord, you uh, you are so good, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.